I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is Tech Central's TCS Plus, brought to you today by Workday. Now, I'm really looking forward to this next interview. It's the first of six interviews we'll be doing with Workday under the title Changemakers with executives from the enterprise uh, cloud software provider Workday. Now, uh, they'll be sharing insights into the company, the market it plays in, how enterprises in South Africa can utilize its technologies and products to expand their businesses. My guest for episode one in this series is Kiveshan Moodley, or Kiv for short. Kiv is MD of Workday South Africa, and he has a 20-plus year career in the enterprise software industry, so I'm sure he has plenty of insights to share with our audience today. Kiv, welcome to Tech Central. Thanks for making the time. Thank you so much, Duncan. Good to be here. Great. Kiv, tell me a bit about your background. I know you've um, you've worked for a number of major players in the enterprise uh, software industry over the years, but maybe take us through a bit of your background and uh, how you came to Workday. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I think, you know, looking around your studio, I had some fun playing around with some of your old gear. Gave me some, some right, memories like of... Like uh, ancient router up there. Like that ancient uh, 28.28K uh, broadband router. So it, it brings back memories Definitely of... Definitely not broadband. <laughs> <laughs> Dial up. Uh, so it does bring back some memories from, mm-hmm. from back in the day. So um, I, I fell in love with technology and computers at a very, very early age. Okay. Uh, what was your first computer? It was a 286. And it's okay. uh, it's an interesting story. So my dad worked for an uh, oil and gas industry for roughly about 30 years. Um, he had a, a tough uh, working career, you know, going, working through apartheid and not having the advantages that he probably could have uh, in terms of being able to understand how to use computers and computer literacy. So he did something very different. Mm-hmm. So when all my friends and cousins were having Nintendos, uh, and having Ataris, right. he went the opposite way. He took a lot of the uh, the textbooks that he had at work. Uh, he printed out manuals on how to operate DOS, and he brought them home. And I was nine years old at the time, and actually learned how to program uh, without having a computer. So the first computer that we had, which I think took him over ten years to pay off, was a two eight six computer. Amazing. So it was a two eight six VGA. So we had color, which was quite fortunate. But that was my first step into understanding technology. And thanks to my dad. Uh, because by going through that process, I actually taught him how okay. to be computer literate. So amazing, amazing. So yeah. what 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 did you learn to program in on that machine? So I uh, started off with BASIC. Um, so I started off with BASIC. Then I moved into Turbo Pascal. Uh, when I was in Metric, I actually wrote a, a mini ERP program for a distribution. Company. You were made for this industry. <laughs> uh, I was, I was, I'm still a techie at heart. I, d- I don't like to talk about it, but um, yeah. But my dad also got me into understanding things like Office back in the day. Okay. You know, uh, uh, my dad was an activist, so we would always print out posters okay. on change and and you know driving change in the community. And I was reflecting on this the other day that I was designing stuff on Printmaster and uh, and all these other DOS-based printing programs uh, in the late nineties. Which right. uh, amazing, yeah. amazing. Okay, so did you um did you when did you decide that IT was going to be your career? I I just had um, an affinity to technology, so I loved it. Um, I definitely played more games back then than I do play today, mm-hmm. but uh, I was always passionate about understanding how computers worked. Um, you know, especially with DOS. DOS was probably the biggest eye opener for me. And then when Windows ninety five came out, I just couldn't believe that this immersion of of video yes. and audio coming in and loading, you know, the Windows ninety five disk in a CD ROM. I think that blew my mind before yeah. even getting to the internet and those capabilities. So I always had it, I guess, in me. Um, yeah. And as technology has changed over time, um, I've tried my best to to stay close, mm-hmm. so I don't get lag behind in terms of what's taking place. But I've always been a technologist at heart. Okay. Did you study in the IT field? I did. So I studied uh, a bit of uh, what was then a computer engineering diploma for for a year. Mm-hmm. So um, 
you know, from a background perspective, I didn't have an opportunity to go to university. So uh, I took the opportunity that I had. And while studying, and I was based in Durban back then, mm -hmm. uh, I actually took a year of working for a computer, uh, sort of like a computer workshop. Right. And I worked them for free for a year. And I really understood how networking worked. Okay. You know, how to repair computers, how to repair uh, circuit boards. And that gave me a different perspective in terms of understanding hardware, electronics, mm -hmm. and uh, a different affinity to technology as well. So what was your first paid for job? First paid for job, uh, it's a weird one. I worked for Metrorail. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I worked for Metrorail and the year was 2000. I worked for Metrorail in Durban. Uh, I was still quite young. I was 19 and I was given the role of a technical supervisor and there was ticketing machines that everyone needed to get a ticket from when you, whenever you bought a train, but they would break on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So the company that I worked for actually won a contract uh, and it's the same company that I worked, the computer shop that I worked for that won the contract. And I was doing board level circuit board repairs uh, wow. from resistors, transistors, um, going through it uh, and really understanding the dynamics of that worked. Uh, yeah, that was my first paying job. Incredible. Yeah. And, and how did you transition into the software space? Uh, that, was a, that was a different debacle. So I moved up to Johannesburg in uh, 2001. I worked for a company called Maxtech. All Durban people seem to end up in Johannesburg. It, see, it seems like a <laughs> semigration now, we can use that word. Uh, so I uh, moved to Johannesburg in 2001. I worked for, a, back then, a company which was uh, listed in the top 100 IT companies in mm -hmm. South Africa called Maxtech. So they're oh, no, a distributor. Yeah. So, um, so I started off as a 184th employee, uh, spent a lot of time working the understanding data storage and networking. And from there, I had an opportunity to join Oracle. So mm -hmm. I was at Oracle for almost close to six years. Um, and then from Oracle, I was at SAP for a very similar period as well. Okay. So that was my break, 12 years working for Oracle and SAP. Doing what in the, what sort of roles? Uh, I was predominantly in sales. So mm -hmm. predominantly in enterprise sales um, and understanding the software that, that both those organizations had, the value proposition they had in the market. And then in 2008, uh, Workday entered South Africa, and that was my opportunity to be part of it. 2008? So, so 2018. 18, okay. 2018. Five years ago. Yeah. 2018, five years ago. Um, so Workday came into South Africa, and I had the opportunity to, to join Workday, which I'm very, very privileged about. Um, and when I was at SAP, I was looking at a career change, and I was really looking at the biggest disruptors that were out there in the market, and mm. Workday was one of them. And Workday entered in, in 2018, and I joined Workday since, and I've been with the company uh, from that period. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a bit about uh, about Workday. It's sure. an American company. Is it listed? Yes. It is listed. NASDAQ? Listed. NASDAQ. Yeah. It's on the NASDAQ, uh, based in, I think, just outside San Francisco. It's an area called Pleasanton. It's not well known, known mm -hmm. of, but it's just outside San Fran. Yeah. Pla yeah, that's just on the other side of the bay, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. It's about, it's about 45, it's about a 45 minute train journey from- Just uh, south of Oakland, if I'm not mistaken. Or have I got that wrong? I'm not sure. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I won't comment. I don't, I don't know my Silicon Valley that yeah. well. Um, but it's, it's in that the Bay Area yes, around San yeah. Francisco. Okay. And it was founded by um, people, the, the people who founded PeopleSoft. Correct. Uh, yeah. David Duffield. And there was another individual. Anil Bushri. Anil Bushri. Yeah. Uh, uh, of course, PeopleSoft was acquired by uh, Oracle in, I think it was 2005. And that was a very uh, aggressive, hostile acquisition by by uh, uh, Oracle. PeopleSoft did not want to sell to Oracle, yeah. but the deal did eventually go through. Uh, I presume that um, Workday is, is is better protected than PeopleSoft was against aggressive acquisitions like this? It, it is, it is. Uh, I think I think by design. So, you know, the uh, it was a hostile acquisition. I think it left our founders um, 
in a bit of distress in terms of where they were. But at the same time, it came about opportunity as well. So mm. our founders, uh, after the acquisition took place, they, they met at a diner called Truckee Diner. Truckee? Yeah. Okay. And they, they sat together and they had a piece of paper and Dave Duffield and Neil had a discussion about what did they do next. Right. And they took all the elements of what was great about PeopleSoft and they took elements about where enterprise software was at the time. Uh, took a lot of inspiration from companies like Google, Facebook, um, and Twitter, I think at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest enterprise software company that existed back then, which was cloud-based, was, yeah. was Salesforce. Right. And Anil Bushri and the and Mark Benioff from Salesforce are actually pretty good friends as well. Okay. So they then decided that let's do this again. Okay. And they had the benefit of time. Uh, they had the benefit of money as well, uh, which is always a good good benefit to have. And based on that and understanding the challenges that existed in enterprises in 2005, they formed Workday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decided on building a company that was highly disruptive in enterprise software. Um, and again, I think that the best opportunity they had was the school fees of understanding what really worked well with people's stuff, understanding the industry, mm. understanding what customers wanted. Uh, they took advantage of that. But at the same time, knowing that there were major, major challenges that still exist today in 2023 when it comes to companies that are still on-prem. Mm. Uh, when it comes to hardware, when it comes to networking, when it comes to upgrades, when it comes to different versions of databases and you know different tiers of architecture. And they completely looked at that and disrupted that in, in 2005 when we mm-hmm. formed the company. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me a bit about Workday. Where is it positioned in the enterprise software market relative to its competitors? Sure. Why why should companies be? Why should companies consider Workday over the other options that are available in the market? Look, it's a good question, and I think if you ask um, people in the industry about who Workday is, I think we probably are a lot more known now in South Africa than we were a few years ago. Uh, we're still predominantly known as an HCM or an HR player, uh, human capital management. However, when we started the company from the very beginning, uh, we also had a finance platform. So we do have a finance ERP, uh, core financial accounting that we, we offer as well. So Workday does two things fundamentally well. Uh, we manage the two biggest assets for any organization. One is people and the other one is money. Okay. And we do it on, on one platform. So that's the value proposition we have. Every one of our customers today is on the same version, very similar to what you might be used to today on your smartphone. And it's all cloud-based. It's all cloud-based. It's true cloud. It's uh, it's public cloud as well. It's not private cloud. Okay. So it's public cloud. Um, we use, um, we don't use databases. We use something cool called uh, in-memory object orientation. Big word. Uh, I like to look at it as an atom. So we almost have these different atom points of data, which we reference within, within Workday. Um, and with everything that we do, uh, within the core technology that we have, there's no integration because everything is pre-built. Mm-hmm. So the value proposition we have to our customers is that we do believe that we provide tangible, measurable business value that drives business outcomes. Uh, we typically compete with your tier one providers, your Oracles and SAPs, because mm-hmm. we're a tier, tier one um, uh, partner. Uh, but at the same time, you know, even though we provide a lot of great value, we think that the opposite also applies. We, uh, we see ourselves as a lowest risk option to our customers because repeatedly based on having a cloud-based solution, uh, based on also having a customer success rate of over 95% in the last 10 years, I think we've just announced 96% mm-hmm. this month, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we know what we're doing when it mm-hmm. comes to cloud. We know how to uh, drive successful projects. We know how to drive change. Uh, and we've learned a lot from our customers along the way. So that kind of makes us a lot more unique than our competitors, where they've got discrete solutions, discrete systems that still need to be patched, mm. still needs to be updated. Um, and sometimes, even though it's regarded as cloud, uh, 
these instances sit in physically different data centers and different domains as well. Yeah, yeah. Very, very often in in these big projects, and it tends to be the on-premises ones. There, yeah. we, we see companies running to big trouble, cost overruns, projects overruns, uh, people getting fired, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there've been stories about this in the, in the headlines just in the last few weeks. Um, because you're cloud-based, because you're a, a new age tech company, if I can call you that, yeah. um, does that make it easier to do these sort of deployments, um, uh, to go into companies and to have these conversations with them? And actually, because it's cloud-based, deploy it a lot quicker than you might be able to do with your traditional ERP-type on-premises installation? There's there's definitely benefits. You know, when we uh, when we went through COVID, uh, a lot did not change for us in terms of how we deploy. Yeah. So we've had deployments locally with customers going live and globally as well. Uh, and based on the approach and how we we deploy, the, based on the methodology, it makes it a lot easier in terms of how you go through a project journey and how do you look at project methodology. However, there's still basic principles that will apply for any project, whether it's mm -hmm. cloud based on prem. Um, things like ensuring you have project governance, ensuring that you have the right business scope, um, ensuring that you have the right executive sponsors, and that still remains. Right. So even though you transition to the cloud, that still becomes an important secret source outside of the technology that leads to a successful project. Mm -hmm. Just because it's not on premises doesn't mean it's a small project. It doesn't mean it's a small project, and uh, but but there's definitely economies of scale. Uh, we like to. Um, Besides our technology being a differentiator, the way we deploy is also quite different. Okay. Um, we do prototyping quite early in terms of how we deploy. Uh, and for me, uh, you know, picture speaks a thousand words. So when a prospective customer becomes a customer, has the ability to work in a workday system quite early, yeah. you know, during the project journey, that also helps them really identify the kinks mm -hmm. uh, and identify the business processes and what works for them as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, Workday, so I think I've been in the market for about five years now. Yeah. Um, did you did Workday enter this market on the back of a, a big client win? Um, how did how did Workday decide to invest in South uh, Africa? We we did. Uh, okay. So uh, I, I won't mention the the client's name, sure. but there was a demerger of of a bank. Okay. And based on that, uh, Workday was able to enter South Africa. Uh, and that bank's been a, with a customer ever since uh, right. we started our journey. Okay. Yeah. Is financial services a, a key component or focus area for, for yeah. Workday? Which other industries do you focus on? Yeah, so it's a good question. So um, we have quite a few key industries that we look at. So uh, mainly professional services, high-tech companies, mm -hmm. um, healthcare, media. Uh, we do a lot of good work when it comes to manufacturing as well in specific um, companies. Uh, but any company in South Africa, we're looking at more service-based companies, companies providing a service. Uh, we're pretty strong in that. So mm -hmm. you would also see globally, it's a bit of a pattern for us. Um, and coming back to the founders in, in 2005, when we started the company, Workday is obviously very deliberate about what we do. Mm -hmm. We're deliberate in terms of the design and we're also very deliberate about the go-to-market. Okay. So I think coming back to your question around um, how we deploy, we sometimes will speak to a prospective customer and really understand that they might not be at the right maturity for where they need to be. Yeah. Um, and give them advice and give them counsel that maybe you should, you know, crawl before you can walk, or maybe mm -hmm. you should look at sweating this existing asset a bit more. Um, and as your requirements possibly change over time, then, you know, work it could possibly become a viable option. Okay. Okay. Given that focus, are there, are there industries where you choose not to work? Yeah, in, in South Africa right now. So, um, so firstly, even though we've been in, in the country for from 2018, uh, we don't have a focus geography-wise outside of South Africa. Okay. So we only look at South African headquartered businesses. 
and for now, we don't have a focus on public sector. Okay. It's also very deliberate. So globally, uh, we evaluate public sector very clearly uh, to understand the local requirements, to understand the data requirements, to understand the product fit. Uh, and we do a proper due diligence and gap fit to understand that. We've not even done that in South Africa yet. Okay. So, so currently, it's it's not a an opportunity for us. And we typically and traditionally have been uh, public sector, sorry, private sector focused. Private, private sector focused. Private okay. sector focused. Yeah. Okay. And the rest of uh, Africa, um, uh, does Workday is Workday involved in other markets in Africa at all indirectly? It's it's exciting. Yeah. Um, so we we have customers that have presence across the continent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would traditionally be headquartered in a different country. Okay. So you could have many South African businesses that are customers of ours that have uh, operations throughout the rest of Africa, um, and at, and at, and they run with Workday. But for now, from a go-to-market perspective, we haven't expanded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do see major, major opportunities, and we always get um, you know consultation from from various partners of ours, and also some customers as leads coming through uh, in terms of us entering, but not at the moment. I think yeah. you know. Um, when we look at the data, uh, we look at something called the total addressable market. And in South Africa, in the private sector, uh, we still have a lot of work to do as a mm-hmm. team. So I think we uh, we want to make sure we have a few more customers under our belt, uh, having a lot more customer success in terms of successful projects. And once we've had that, then we'll reevaluate our position. Make sure you can deliver yeah. with the capacity you have now rather Correct. than overstretching yourselves and going into adjacent industries where you may end up being too thinly spread on the ground. 100%. So, you know there's a few things within our DNA that stands out. So we've, we've got a customer success of 96%. Uh, we want to the only... How do you measure that, by the way? It's, it's through surveys. Okay. So we, we do surveys throughout the year and uh, quite aggressively with key stakeholders across our customer base. And we measure it. So, you know, in the last 10 years, we've averaged over 95%. And this month, we've, we've hit 96 Uh we see ourselves as the lowest risk option. That's measured by delivering on time, on budget. Mm-hmm. So very few technology players today, I think coming back to your point on you know, some of the recent media articles as well, uh, a lot of projects do run over uh, based on some, a lot of the times on a technology, mm-hmm. based on how projects run as well. But uh, we deliver on time, on budget. Uh, our stats there is about 94% uh, in terms of the frequency of doing it in Northern Europe and South Africa. Uh, we see ourselves as the, the lowest risk option as well. So by having that DNA, we want to make sure that we can continuously deliver success in South Africa. And once we reach a point of scale uh, and have a better understanding of what we want to do, then we can evaluate other markets. But mm-hmm. we, we're very far from doing so at the moment. Okay. Take me through how you work with your clients in South Africa. What's the engagement like? This is a cloud-based service, so a lot of yeah. these services you just purchase online with a credit card, I presume, or similar arrangement. Um, but uh, how, how do you actually engage with, with your clients? Say a, a big bank is looking to Workday solutions. Yeah. Um, how, what does that engagement process look like? It's, uh, it's quite interesting. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's very consultative. It's mm-hmm. highly consultative. So um, even though, you know, from a SaaS perspective, everything can be acquired just based by having a software contract. Uh, it sometimes takes at least 18 to 24 months plus mm. to get there. Uh, we've been consulting with some prospective customers for five years already. Good grief. Uh, where they're still not ready for the journey. So it's highly consultative. Um, what we would typically do is we would understand the stakeholder, um, understand the organization, understand their pain points, understand their growth journey, um, understand the challenges that they have today. And then we will take a step back and and really do an assessment in terms of, okay, are we the right fit? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then going through that process, we do something a bit differently than compared to some of our other competitors. 
we do a business case, which is highly consultative. We'll interview candidates uh, or we'll interview employees from the organization. We'll send them uh, surveys in terms of them completing for us to get data. And then we present them a case for change, mm. which is why Workday? Um, how can we help the organization grow? The impact to the organization, coming back to tangible, measurable business value. Um, and typically that will get presented uh, to stakeholders or to boards and mm -hmm. a company would make a decision based on that. But again, what makes us different is, you know, after a customer goes live, uh, pretty much about a year after going live, we come back and we reassess the business case and that's called a value realization study mm -hmm. where we evaluate if the project was successful and if the KPIs that we deemed uh, to make the project successful in the beginning, you know, has been realized. Oh, that's good because I think a lot of uh, a lot of vendors will simply walk away, sign it, and walk. Yeah, mm. and 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 that's kind of the difference when you look at on-prem, um, and a lot of other cloud cloud providers might be doing that today, where it's pretty easy to sign a check and then walk away. And you know, coming back to your question about what makes us unique is we stay. Mm -hmm. uh, so we we definitely, as much as we have commercial options for prospective customers to sign for three years or five years. We're really looking for a 10-year-plus long-term engagement. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the only way you're going to get there is by spending time with your customers. So yeah. we have really close relationships with our customers today. Uh, and we continuously have a feedback loop that's quite dynamic to understand how do we improve the product, how do we improve efficiencies in the project, mm -hmm. but also in terms of our offering, you know, what possibly needs to change over a period of time. So you must get some very good and valuable insight back from your clients and through this process. Yeah. Uh, what are they telling you that Workday is bringing to them? What are the sort of top three things generally that clients are saying, well, amazing, this is what Workday has done for this organization? You know, I would, uh, before I get to the technology aspect, the one thing that has been mentioned to myself by quite a number of executives recently is I always talk about the fact that, and we talk about from work ethos, that our technology, our platform, and our, and our innovation is our biggest differentiator. And, you know, by the way, if, if you look at the stats, we invest more in R&D uh, than most of the competitors out there from a percentage of turnover. But I think the biggest thing that stands out is actually our team. You know, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have an excellent team uh, in South Africa and, and globally. Uh, and that's the first step. So I think that the one thing that stands out is we have people that they really want to get into the weeds to understand what's going wrong uh, or what's going right, uh, be quite inquisitive, you know, mm -hmm. be quite critical at the same time, give real-time feedback to to a, to a company. So I think our people are, is probably the, the biggest differentiator. I think the second thing is um, in terms of how we run our project governance, our project committees and executive sponsors, uh, we're very fortunate that, you know, in the last five years, we've had several uh, executives from Workday globally that have mm -hmm. managed to come through on a regular basis and support projects. So that's key. Uh, I think the biggest thing that our customers are able to achieve today is data-driven analytics dynamically and being able to take the data from Workday and make sense of it and create action in real time. Okay. So what's a business intelligence component to the software? Yeah, it's it's built in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, traditionally you would have uh, 3T architectures and databases and, you know, data pools and data lakes and collecting all the data. We we have a lot of that built into to Workday. Okay. It's predictive as well. So now we have the element using uh, uh, generative AI to also tell stories uh, and predict certain scenarios. And that's really helping executives in the boardroom. So, mm -hmm. you know, no longer can you go into a boardroom and ask simple questions about what's my headcount? You know, uh, what's my average time to hire? What's my, how many days do I have to close? Uh, have we made budget? Are we exceeding budget? How are we forecasting? So with work that you're able to make those decisions, understand the 
the the what, mm-hmm. but then you also understand the why, and you can take action from that in real time. Mm-hmm. All right, Kev. Um, I know you're quite passionate about leadership. Um, what what approach are you bringing to Workday South Africa from a leadership perspective? Uh, it's a good question. I am quite passionate about leadership. I uh, I love coaching. I love mentoring. So it's something that I've been doing for quite some time. So inherently, that's built into my management style. Um, we're kind of fortunate to have a, a small team. And from a hierarchy perspective, I've made it a lot more dynamic than it possibly should be. Okay. So, uh, you know, having a small team gives you the ability to understand everyone's strengths and weaknesses. So uh, we've used a bit of our own technology. So at Workday, we use something called Skills Cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that allows us to move away from job profiling to understanding the skills that exist uh, within any team. And we, we do that commercially today. Uh, so that was my first step to really understand our team, uh, everyone's strengths, weaknesses, passions. Okay. Um, also, you know, there's an element of side hustle, you know, uh, what really drives people uh, to get up in the morning. And once I understood that, um, I thought about what do I do? You know, how do I expand my team mm-hmm. that's, that's fairly young um, and relatively small? And how do we operate at scale? Because uh, the, the companies that we compete with, you know, have much larger numbers of employees and bigger structures than us. Mm-hmm. So I deployed a concept called distributed leadership. Mm-hmm. And I took our team based on who they are and their cap- core capabilities. And I assigned them responsibilities that really suits them in mm-hmm. terms of their personality, their dynamics, uh, their growth as well. And honestly, by doing that, I've created such a dynamic team, such a diverse team that allows me to do so much more. Okay. Um, and I recently did a uh, TED Talk with Deloitte I spoke about the fact that it was a Deloitte study done in Australia that diverse teams outperform non-diverse teams by 80%. Wow. So we have a very dynamic, very diverse team. Um, I've, I've followed the concept of distributed leadership, which really has worked well for us. And, you know, we, we're a good case study that Workday is also using because at some point Workday is looking to emerge into other countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've really rolled it out quite successfully in terms of understanding our team understanding individuals' passions, their skill sets, what drives them, and again, their growth. Uh, and I've been able to assign specific individuals with responsibilities that matches that. To take me through the Change Makers Initiative that you've launched, uh, what is it and uh, what are you hoping to achieve with it? Yeah, so we all know that technology enables change, but it takes people to drive change. Um, in South Africa, I've been really fortunate over my 20-year-old career of working with C-level executives and, and some senior managers that have driven change successfully within the projects that they've run. Uh, and honestly, in the last five years with Workday, I've just been completely blown away mm-hmm. by the talent that we have mm-hmm. uh, and how decisions get made and how thought leadership exists and the mindset that our executives have. So part of this initiative, uh, you know, change makers powered by, by Workday, is we want to showcase during this podcast series some of the executives that we have within our customer base, telling their story about who they are and also how technology has helped them enable the change and how they've driven it within the organizations. Great. Well, I look forward to unpacking that in, in a great amount of detail uh, through, throughout this uh, series with Workday. But Kev, before I let you go, just tell me a bit about uh, where you're taking Workday. Where's this organization going in South Africa in the next five years? What, uh, what, what can your clients look forward to? Um, what can we expect from uh, Workday as it positions itself in the, in the IT industry here in the country? Look, we're definitely growing. Uh, we've, we've moved offices uh, at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that uh, with growth comes a few things. So uh, we definitely want to grow our customer base. So we want to have more successful projects. Uh, we want our partners to grow at the same time in terms of the ecosystem. 
But by doing that, we're also going to be stimulating the economy. So the more workday uh, certified professionals we have in South Africa, the better feeling we have in terms of understanding that we are creating the, the growth we need. Globally, we have about 20,000 certified consultants. We've got some work to do in South Africa in terms of making sure that we can build the right academies uh, and making workday education more readily available. So that's definitely part of the plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Great. So um, full series coming up. Uh, if uh, if anyone's um, keen not to miss any of those episodes, please do subscribe to this show on YouTube. You can do that at youtube.com slash techcentral or simply go into your favorite podcasting app, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts and search Tech Central one word. You'll find all our shows there. Hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. Kev Moodley is MD at Workday South Africa. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio and sharing your insights with us today. Much appreciated. Thank you, Duncan. Appreciate it.